Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams, which is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Dutch singer Flora Janssen has certainly had a dynamic career. After fronting the symphonic metal bands After Forever and Revamp, she became the celebrated lead singer for the internationally popular Finnish group Nightwish. Her second album with them, Human Nature, is a double-disc set that went number one in two countries and top five in ten more. She also has a burgeoning solo career after appearing last year on the Dutch television show Beste Zangers, Best Singers, which showcased her incredible vocal range. Three of her performances on that program, which spanned a variety of genres, became number one hits in her homeland of the Netherlands. She is finally a household name there many years after becoming popular everywhere else. That's a nice turnabout. When she is not touring the world or recording music, Flora loves to ride horses and explore nature. For this episode of Side Jams, she spoke with me via Skype from her country home in Sweden, where she now resides with her husband and their three-year-old daughter. They have been making the best of our current quarantine situation, and that includes spending quality time with her two horses. Her love for the animals goes back to her childhood, and she had plenty to discuss about them, riding, and horsemanship. Well, hello, Flora. Thanks for taking the time to chat for Side Jams. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We chatted many, many years ago. Today, we're going to talk about your love of horses, which, yeah. is, which is cool. This is a first. Have you ever been an equestrian? Well, no, not, not professionally. Or I've never been interested in actually um, doing any competitions. I'm not competitive when it comes to horseback riding. Right, right. <laughs> but when, when did your love for horses start? Oh, at a very early age, actually. As a kid already. Um, but my parents thought that they, they were dangerous, so I was not allowed to go riding. But I had a, I had an uncle who uh, promised me a horse, and he had been doing that for years. But this time it came to a point that he said, well, tomorrow a horse comes. I already know which one, and you're going to love it, and you're going to start riding. And finally, uh, yeah, I must have been around 10 years old. It felt like it, felt like it was really going to happen. I was so excited, and I told my parents, and they were not excited. <laughs> 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 And uh, they told my uncle, I don't know what they told my uncle, but <laughs> they told him anyway that that was not going to happen. And they told me that's not going to happen, Flora. But I can understand that you're really extremely disappointed right now. So um, we don't think it's a good idea that you have your own horse and surely not from this uncle. But uh, you can go uh, to a riding school and you can start uh, having lessons. Wow, finally. So I was 11 and um, well, I'm very tall. I don't know if people know that about me, but. Well, how tall are you? I'm I'm over six foot and okay. um, uh, six one or yeah, one eighty three uh, centimeters. And uh, I'm a I'm a tall girl. I was tall when I was a kid, so I, I skipped the whole pony stuff and I went straight to horses. <laughs> and uh, had had my mom sitting on the side of my lessons every every week, petrified at first, then interested. And after one year, she actually decided to uh, give it a shot herself because she got so into it and <laughs> got so curious so she got uh, into horseback riding too soon followed my sister and well even my dad gave it a shot it was um, for us more amusing than anything else i'm sure the horse <laughs> felt differently but he didn't really have much of a feeling for it <laughs> why did they not want this uncle to give you a horse was it the uncle or was it just the idea of you owning a horse yeah he had a lot of horses so we always talked about horses and 
I knew that I loved I loved them. And for me, it was a dream. I mean, I was a kid. I, I had no idea about how it would be to actually own a horse, which, funny enough, um, I'm, I'm starting to figure out now at the age of 38. Uh, I got my first uh, own horse last year oh, wow. uh, since we moved to a place where we can have horses. And it still felt like a distant dream. Like, how am I going to balance my music life um, and, and, and my mom, be, be being a mom, with having a horse, but this this where we live, it it made it possible, and I'm getting some help from, from really cool people. So, yeah, uh, I'm not only happy that I never got that horse when I was ten, because I would have not known what to do, and uh, <laughs> I got good lessons throughout the years, and I I later on also started to look after other people's horses every now and then, and riding has always been a huge thing. It actually for me uh, when I had to choose what profession I was wanted to to choose as we do in the netherlands you 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 study all your basics and then you you kind of take a decision on what you're gonna do okay what school is gonna be and for me it was either music or horses but in the netherlands at the time there was nothing musically that fitted to what i would want to do with music uh it was either jazz or classical and i didn't want to do any of it uh, i was already in after forever uh, i was already enjoying rock and metal and i no. So it became horses. So if I ever been in equestrian, it probably was the six month I studied um, at that school. But they kind of send me out to work uh, immediately. That was part of the schooling. So you work in a stable for half a year and then you're on school on a campus once the other second half. That six, seven month that I did was enough for me to realize that I'm uh, I'm not an equestrian. I'm not going to be doing this professionally because I'm... Uh, I'm missing my music, and as much as I like horses, I don't really enjoy the world that comes with it, nor the people. So, um, oh, really? <laughs> the choice was made. It's very hard, and I missed very often the love for the animals and their well-being over other important things like money. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, it's a hard world, and uh, not mine. And it took me years and years to get back with horses actually because uh i felt always felt that i was missing something with it and now there's something called horsemanship uh it's been there for years but uh it's it's just just a couple of years that i'm back back in the saddle literally uh figuring out a different way to mm. ride and communicate with horses which is very enjoyable especially when you have your own horse where you can really connect with other than with other people's horses <laughs> well i dated an equestrian many like like 15 years ago almost and um was getting close to competing at the Olympic level, but it wow. got very it got very expensive. Her family just, just didn't have the money, no. uh, you know, you, to, you know, to buy a horse. I'm, I'm, there's obviously all the riding gear, and I'm sure there's the cost of the stable and the lessons. So was yeah. was that the thing that was hard for you? Was it was it the people around the horses, or was it just more the the economic realities of competing and and being and even just owning a horse? Maybe a combination of both. I mean, I would not have had the economic means to own a horse of myself. Um, it's more that the, if you if you own a stable and you have a lot of horses and one of the horses gets injured, then the choice would for me still be the well-being of the horses over uh, an economic choice. And I've seen that happen a little bit too often that it was more important to still make some money on it than to get the horse to slaughter, for instance, very fast or yeah. get a good uh, vet on it. And 
um, yeah, just the overall social skills of a lot of people were not great. So I didn't fit in, which, you know, fair enough. Uh, that was more me than them. Um, and I'm still grateful for it because I am a fish in the water <laughs> as a musician. And I really much enjoy horses uh, in, in my private hobby uh, way. And there's nothing serious about it, uh, you know, competitive or anything. You won't see me go to the Olympics. Even though I have met an Olympic champion called Anki van Grunsven, she's a Dutch um, dressage Amazon. She's she is amazing. She's a fantastic, fantastic, very inspiring person for me. I got to meet her in real life and just realized that yeah, that this is this is the the normal person, the one that would put her horse before anything else. And uh, she performed on a super high level, but with a good. Um, contact with her horse and yeah that would be that that's super cool to see and here at home i'm just connecting to my two horses i have two now and uh and and enjoy being with them and the cool thing with being with animals in general and definitely with horses is that they read you so well so if i come in all stressed yeah <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll just lift their eyebrows you know <laughs> not literally but you know what i mean they're like yeah, if you're going to be like this, nothing's going to happen because we think it's really scary that you're, you know, upset about something because they're they're made to flee. So whatever stress you have could possibly be danger and it stresses them out. Um, so I need to calm down and and it works. And it, yeah, it's fantastic. They're they're mirrors, really. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I remember I was we were at a we were at a farm somewhere and this horse was cutting up to me and kind of rubbing, sort of trying to rubbing. It's, you know, it, it's head up against me and I thought I thought something was wrong and and she was like no no it's it's actually it really likes you yeah I was like (laughs) oh you know because people don't because horses are big animals so you don't know if you don't know anything about horses you're like oh wait what's going on here yeah yeah that well that's the thing and if anything I would have loved to learn from the get-go when I was a kid is a little bit more about horses and not how to sit on them and you know you learn how to put a saddle on the horse but you don't learn very much about the horses themselves how they behave, how they communicate. And that is something that I find highly uh, interesting now and that's the, where my focus lies. And, uh, you know, it's also in, it's important not to get damaged, uh, you know, uh, injured. I mean, nowadays it would be kind of shit if I would have to call tonight and say, guys, I went out with my horses and uh, yeah, my leg is really, really broken. Oops. So uh, yeah, oops. So I have very, <laughs> in the choice of which kind of horses uh, to choose, I chose very calm ones. I mean, it's never a guarantee, obviously, but um, and then good communication and understanding each other uh, is a very important thing in in uh, being safe with them. And uh, yeah, to see that happen and to see that they feel good with me, too. That's so rewarding. Um, yeah, that's that's what nature can do. And for me, nature in general is something I, I if I get outside, if it can be outside, to go through the woods with them here um there's nothing that just uh, calms me down and yeah recharges my batteries better than that <laughs> unlock big savings during the menards bag sale add style and security with schlag lock sets menards carries over 50 styles of interior and exterior lock sets and with schlag's wide selection of smart locks and keyless entry locks there's no more hiding keys under the doormat or losing track of copies save big money on schlag lock sets plus Save 15% when you fit it in the bag. Now through January 14th, available in-store only at Menards. Save big money at Menards. 
Yeah, I remember it, it would be hard to actually have a professional singing career and also do equestrian stuff. I, I still remember, you know, the tragedy of Christopher Reeve and, and the fact that he'd been competing and then he got knocked off his horse and then was paralyzed, yeah. you know, for, for the rest of his life. I interviewed him like about a year, I think a year before he died, uh, did a phone with him. He was a really interesting guy. Hmm. Um, that, that's got to be tough, though. Definitely, you know, take, taking yeah. a fall like that, and there's also there's also the, um, you know, there's that sort of that cliche that if you get knocked off a horse and you better try to get back on there quickly, big that you might not do it again. Is that actually true? Do you find that people get they get spooked that that they don't go back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always go back on. So I, um, but I, I, I can imagine. I haven't been kicked off a horse in in a very long time, and the last time it happened, it was exactly the the moment that I thought, okay, something needs to change in how I am with horses, because that horse had been basically telling me from the second I set foot into the stable, I don't feel great. For whatever reason, he could not give me the specifics, but he was very specific in his body language. I don't want to do this. But I said, as a human, yes, yes, of course we are. Hup, there goes the saddle. Hey, remember, we're going out. It was yeah. minus 15 degrees, which is cold. It was freezing cold. The horse, I think, had too little. Uh, it would, it would, it, its coat was not uh, thick enough. And already a while before that, I noticed in his behavior that he, he, he was not doing good. He wasn't having a good time in the stable he was in. He became a, a riding school horse, and that was not for him. And um, I'm... <sighs> not super experienced but experienced enough to have that feeling and I, I told the people who own him uh, something is wrong we checked his gear we checked everything oh he should be fine we're going out anyway and um, yeah well then he tossed me off he really gave me the big finger and said I am not going to do this oh boy um, well, where, did he, where did he toss you off to? It, well he tossed me into the snow so that was very kind uh, <laughs> 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 yeah for me after that it really felt like yeah but this was this was his he he'd been really saying it, it didn't come out of the blue that he just you know put his ass up and, and and tossed me off he'd already been communicating with me and i don't want to force a horse into something that it doesn't want to do what's the fun in that so of course there it doesn't mean they can always do whatever they want but in this case it was a very specific um force level that was there that i did not enjoy and um now I've been learning about natural horsemanship. Um, I ride with without a bet in their mouth. Uh, so it's all based on trust, weight, and hell, if a horse wants to take off a little piece of iron in their mouth, won't stop them for sure. My horse weighs 750 kilos. Um, How many pounds is that? I have no idea. A lot. <laughs> she's, a, she's a Clydesdale. It's there in the Budweiser commercials. Very big horses. <laughs> if she wants to do something, she's going to do it anyway. So then, a good connection with your with your horses is smart and uh, very highly enjoyable. I can recommend it to anybody. But start with the basics and uh, not with just jumping up on their backs and think that they will do what you want if you just kick them hard enough. <laughs> well, I just looked this up. So seven hundred fifty kilos is one thousand six hundred and fifty three pounds. There you go. So that's you don't hang. want it on your foot. <laughs> no way well, oh god i mean yeah I, I i think i only i think i rode a pony once my parents took us out to a farm in western massachusetts mm -hmm. it was cool i never i never did horse riding i never got a chance to do it now being tall i imagine that you have to have a proper stance you have to have a certain stance that you take does, does your height factor into how you ride maybe that yeah maybe but um i think it's more personality and and uh and the way you use your body I mean, my, my big horse, for her, I'm probably still small. 
you know, I'm yeah. I'm a tenth of her. There has to be some respect and uh, there has to be a mutual understanding and a willingness. Um, unfortunately, they're, they're flock animals. They're flight, flight, flea animals. They think and work differently than, than we do. And that's where communication comes in, that we ask the horse to understand what we do when we, you know, go around with them. But it's smart for us to understand what they say, too. And um, yeah, there's a there's a long road there for a lot of people, I think, uh, to get back into that. And it's very, very enjoyable. So what kind of horse do you have? I have a Clydesdale. Uh, that's right, right. I just said that, yeah. Um, but also a Hufflinger. That's a Austrian breed. Um, both are calm by nature and uh, one is three the, the halfling is um is a three-year-old uh that i'm going to start with which i actually thought i would do next year but thanks to the covid 19 virus um i have a lot of time now so i might yeah. Well start yeah and the clydesdale uh is uh, nine had not been ridden until last year uh she's been uh, used for for breeding before that not intensely but uh well, she just basically been standing around in a paddock, and but she's smart, very intelligent, so it's very easy to teach her things, which is also dangerous because you can teach them the wrong things as well. But uh, so far, so good with the both of them. <laughs> so now, do, do your husband or, or daughter ride? No, I mean my my kids three three years okay. old. So, the, but uh, I do have a dream that one day uh, she's at the same age as the young horse uh, that the. Uh, she can ride on uh, on her, <laughs> and my husband's not into uh, into horses much. Even though he uh, he enjoys uh, the two that we have because they live at our place, too. so uh, yeah, he just go out and pet them. Um, but uh, there's nothing in him that wants to jump on their backs. He just got himself a motorcycle, and uh, we realized that I'm also not motivated to jump on the back of that thing. So <laughs> we share different interests, <laughs> yeah, different types of riding. Yep. Do you have stables on your property? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So what? Where where do you go riding then? Into the woods. Yeah. So there are nice paths here. Um, there's a, a little road, like a dirt road, around a lake. That's super nice to do. Uh, obviously, uh, riding through dense woods is not great, but uh, there are some good uh, good paths here. I can I can follow, and I'm actually uh, having a, the plan to build a paddock here in one of the. Uh, uh, or a riding facility in one of the paddocks. So that's nice. Are there any places that are not advisable to ride on? Yeah, I mean, for their hooves, uh, part of the roads we have have really big rocks. It's not enjoyable for their feet. And anything with a lot of traffic, I would say, you really need to make sure that your horses are probably trained for that. But uh, the area I live barely has any, so I'm I'm, I'm good. Um, I just hope, I mean, there are quite a bit of moose around here. <laughs> <laughs> How, how, do, how, do they, how do they how do they get along with moose? I've never had the encounter of being on a horse yeah, and moose yet. There's been some deer and some big birds, yeah, even a fox in the distance, but no moose. <laughs> and also because you're riding, I mean, you have a love of nature as well, which works out well considering the band you're in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> are, there, are there things that are hiking or things that you like to do? Places Absolutely. you like to go? Yeah, we have a big uh, dog as well that I like to take for a spin here in the woods and. I mean, the the house itself is in the woods. Like now I'm going to be growing my own veggies and I'm going to see my garden get to life now that spring is finally starting. I don't need to go on big adventures to enjoy nature. I just need to, you know, look out the window or step into my 
uh, garden and uh, and I'm in the midst of it. And uh, it's fascinating to see how everything grows or stops growing and then the winter comes and see all the seasons uh, as we have them here. And um, different birds that come and go and the different colors on the first of the the, the uh, on the deer it, for me the magic lies in small things and, and it, it's funny that that is a subject that became so big in the Nightwish albums too because that's been something that I've been enjoying uh ever since I was a child I've been been like that you can give me a flower and I can be really fascinated about it <laughs> for a while just well, sure so there's magic in in the in the real world right about right about around us and yeah I can, I can really invite people to to enjoy that especially now that the pandemic is happening but but always I mean it's harder when you're in a city but I would say that it's even more vital you do that because you're so away from from clear skies and uh, and silence I think it's an unnatural thing for people to be so close to each other all the time with that much input levels I think a lot of people are not doing great with that and it's pretty easy to recharge your battery if you just take the time for it. Even a 30-minute walk, a little bit away from things, focusing on the beauty of a tree. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to sound all hippie-ish, but I, I I think it's a little bit more than that. And I know in Scotland it's even a proven thing. They they recommend it officially to people that have mental uh, illness. I I think it's it's vital. I know that for my my health and well-being, it's it's vital. It's not a luxury and it's not a hippie thing. It's it's vital. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're also part of it. We might forget that, you know, we see ourselves as human and as nature. And there comes our Nightwish album once again, where we kind of do a word trick with the word, with both words, with nature and human and human nature. But if you look at the DNA of a banana and you look at our DNA, there's like a 30% difference or something small like that. Of course, right. we don't look like, like a banana, but there's so much that we have in common, not to mention monkeys, or, or, or it's like a 3% different. We are nature just as much. And uh, when, you, when you are with animals or when you're around nature or you focus on the nature around you, uh, it can really uh, yeah, make you feel better. Well, I mean, you, you grew up in Holland and then you moved to Finland, I'm assuming, after you joined the band. And then yeah. you married a man from Sweden, so you moved to Sweden. How have the natural landscapes of those countries where you live been different? Oh, very different. I mean, the Netherlands is very small, um, very small, and it has 70 million people on it. So it's it's basically one big city uh, with big parks that we still call villages or areas around you, but around it. But it's 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 crowded, and especially compared to Finland, uh, with only has five and a half million people, but it's much much bigger. Whereas Sweden has nine million people. Uh, is also huge. So the density is, is here also much less. And I found that in both countries, Sweden and Finland, people are more connected to nature. It's more integrated in their daily lives. And uh, yeah, that's also part of the reason why when I met my husband, we didn't go to the Netherlands, but we, we went to Sweden instead because I really got into the Nordic calmness and space and nature very much and as many differences as there are between Finland and Sweden there are also things in common and nature might just be one of them uh so yeah I thrive very very well here and also I mean even living in three different countries gives you just a different perspective on people I mean it's funny Europe is is you know as got all those smaller countries and say the states but there's a lot of different personalities and ideas even within those spaces sure but I'm sure it's the same in the United States oh yeah 
might you know it's debatable how united thing they are and, and it's, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing that everyone speaks too, the actually. same language but yeah well definitely european union <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i feel very unit yeah well let's not go into politics but I think it's more remarkable that uh, a country the size of the United States managed to get one language through. It's quite something, big continents with one language. And uh, uh, that first, of course, didn't have that. Um, Europe has still stayed more close to its uh, identity as it was before and had so many yeah, small countries that somehow survived the tooth of time, so to, say, so to speak. Yeah. It's interesting to keep those differences alive as well, not meaning being blind for other languages or, or cultures, but uh, um, it defines more who you are. And uh, I can say that as, as someone who immigrated, that uh, it, it's very colorful and it's interesting to see differences. And it also helps you to confer more about your own yeah, identity and upbringing and uh, roots. Obviously, you have three different languages you're dealing with in those countries. Are there similarities that allow you to cross over and learn learn them? Yes. Well, Finnish is a language on its own entirely. It has nothing to do with any other European language. Finnish is a different language, and Swedish and Dutch are, are, are Germanic languages. So it has its uh, uh, base in an ancient similar form, which means that it was pretty easy, as, of Eng as English too, pretty easy to learn. <laughs> Well, finally, is there any advice you would give to someone who's interested in learning about writing? Yeah, I mean, get interested in, in being in horses before writing. Uh, it's much safer and it's way more fun. Uh, find yourself a good writing uh, school, the right horse to start with. And uh, I would totally recommend you to write, read something about horsemanship. That, that would be my recommendation. Cool. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, the same to you. It was very enjoyable to talk with you. I had fun. And hopefully we'll see you, uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess 2021 at this point is like the safe bet for most bands. Yeah, we'll take it as it comes. But please stay stay safe, stay healthy. You too. And enjoy life as it is. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm being more contemplative, I think, people. I hope that, like you are. Hopefully people are. And I think you're in, the, you're in the best space to do that out in the country where you are. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's it. All, All right. right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Floor. Bye-bye. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will feature guitar legend Joe Satriani. The tunes used in this podcast are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them through AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening. everyone we're your beer drinking babes i'm ashley and i'm naggy and we're from rock candy podcast every week we bring you a story from the world of music while drinking thematic beers did you ever wonder how much charles manson inspired the music you love today did you know that joy division and new order are virtually the same band are you aware of how weird kesha really is like how she had sex with a ghost do you also not understand what post malone is because we don't well, we got you covered. Behind the Music isn't around anymore, but we're here to pick up the slack. And be a little drunker. Yeah, so go ahead and look for Rock Candy Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you catch your pods. And with that, party on, kids. Party on.